everybody and welcome to Words Over Whiskey episode 35. I'm your host Henry and joined by me, joined once again by my co-host Tom. Tom. Hello! How are you? I'm good. How are you Henry? I'm good. It's been it's been a little while since we've been able to sit down and do one of these. It has it's actually. Been, been a month or month or about a month and a half since we last recorded one of these. Maybe in future we should take a um, a day and do like several back to back and just pretend we've been doing them months and months. Could you, could you imagine the, the amount of whiskey, the amount of whiskey, whiskey that would be consumed in uh, those? Well, we can take those. We can take it. But uh, no, it's uh, it's been a little while. But I think we've both been quite busy with work, so we finally found mm. a day we've both had off and uh, been able to meet up and sit down. But as I've prepared for this episode as we continue to try different and stranger whiskies from around the world. On our whiskey journey, going whiskey. where no whiskey lover's gone before, except for everyone who lives in these places. Yes. Um, so this episode, we have a Australian whiskey. We have Starwood Left Field. Right. So this is actually your first time trying Australian whiskey, weren't you? I, I didn't know realise Australia had such a big whiskey um, industry. It's not... Well... Did they not? Com- com- compared to Scotland, no. Well, no. But they do have quite a few distilleries. I think quite a few in Tasmania. There's, okay. There's a, quite, I think there's a few. I think Starwood is probably the one I know the most about and I've tried the most from. Um, actually, I think it's probably the only one I've tried. Actually, I, I tell a lie. I have a couple of samples at home of other Australian whiskey, but I haven't tried them yet. Oh, and really the name escapes me. But I have tried Starwood before. But anyway, let's crack this open. Hey, that was quite a good one. Sorry, I should have poured yours first. <laughs> That's right. Really I was just holding it there in case you dropped any, so I would have some. Lovely stuff. So, this, I believe, there's Joan in Melbourne. Uh, they say it's whiskey done differently. I don't quite know what it means. Uh, aged in... It's upside fr- down. Everything's it's, upside down. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> All the Australian jokes right now. Um, Asian and French. Oh, did they make on a barbecue? It's going to have a real smoky barbecue flavour. Uh, oh, I hope so. Aged in French oak red wine barrels. Mm, bright tropical fruit flavours with, del- with a delicious, delicate finish. So I think the idea of this whiskey is it's kind of like, it's kind of one they've created. It's like one of their core range, but it's, meant to be kind of enjoyed however like you can have it neat but it's also one that's meant to be mixable mm-hmm. so what I've brought here i brought some soda water as well oh. to make some highballs have you ever had a whiskey highball before? I think so yeah I must have well I thought we'd try try it in our little blend cans first do our usual taste test nosing and taste test and then we will have some whiskey highballs as well fair um, enough cheers Tom cheers Yep, smells like whiskey. <laughs> and one day I'm just going to get you a t-shirt that's like, yep, smells like whiskey. Just, or, we, or if we ever make a YouTube channel for this podcast, it'll just be me saying, it'll just be like, uh, uh, under my face, I'll just have Tom, whiskey expert, and me saying, that's whiskey. That is whiskey. It smells like whiskey. It smells like whiskey. Like, have you seen the mustard, mustard expert memes? No. Well, there's, a, there's this viral thing on TikTok or something of this guy saying, Hi, I'm whoever. I'm the mustard expert. And he kind of sni- opens his pot of mustard and sniffs it and goes, Yeah, yeah, that's mustard. <laughs> and everyone's like, Wait, those are stuff. So you basically stole that guy's line and swapped it out for whiskey. Yeah, basically. Like any good capitalist, I took something that works and made it my own product. 
Not that I'm paying it, making people pay for that. No. Actually, give me a fiver. <laughs> Technically, you owe me money. <laughs> not anymore! Yeah. Don't we get that sort of like fruitiness from it? Oh, yes, back to the matter of had. Yeah. Okay. Let's give it a try, shall we? Oh, yes. Sweeter than I thought. Don't know why, because you did say tropical fruit, but. I get almost a bit of like cranberry. Yeah. That's definitely the fruit coming through. Yeah, red fruit. No, it's sort of like cranberry, a bit of almost raspberry as well. That's nice. Nice I can see this be very sort of like a a warm weather dram, hence why I kind of picked it for summer. Yeah. We are literally at the start of September now. Um, But I thought. Although I don't really feel like we had much of a summer, given how much rain we had during July and August. Hopefully September will be better. Let's give it a try uh, highball, shall we? While you make the whiskey highballs, shall I prepare you with your whiskey trivia for today? Oh, yes, please. Okay, so I've got two bits of whiskey trivia for you today, Henry. Before you do that... Oh, okay. (laughs) I realised when editing the previous episode, it was the one where you were talking about the massive bottle of... um, the blended whiskey yeah which was like 500 litres or whatever it was and I realised how stupid my answer was because you were like oh take a guess at how big it was and I was like oh, I don't know like 2 or 3 litres I realised <laughs> realize how that's a milk bottle yeah, size yeah I realised like how low ball and off uh, a guess that was I was like damn that sounds real dumb <laughs> yeah I think I remember thinking at the time like really I was, I was expecting you to I was never going to expect you to get it spot on to begin with yeah. but I was like I never thought you'd guess that low yeah no I, I listened back to it when I was doing the editing and I was like that 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 sounds dumb <laughs> well, well well done me I'm not going to make you guess anything today oh yet um, your first bit of whiskey trivia did you know that wild turkey obviously a popular bourbon brand relies on the same strain of live yeast for a consistent quality across all its bourbons it therefore makes sense. There's an emergency plan in case anything happens to its Kentucky distillery, where it's based. The company has secret stashes of its proprietary yeast hidden all across the country. So, if there is some kind of apocalypse, and you somehow find the secret supply cache, and you think the government left it there, it's going to be full of food, maybe weapons, and you crack it open, and it turns out it's full of yeast <laughs> and bourbon. Do you think... Uh Maybe because was it? Um, it was either lo- it was a couple of years ago. Maybe that we tried it. But it was the uh, Wild Turkey Long Branch, which mm. is the one we've done in collaboration with Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. I think maybe he's got some under his house. He's got, <laughs> one, he's got one of the boxes of yeast under his house. Well, then his his partner or whatever is going to be saying, Matthew, you could have had any kind of bunker installed under your house. You're rich enough, and you've got a basement full of yeast. Maybe he's got two bunkers. <laughs> Probably rich enough. No, probably. So that's your first bit of whiskey trivia, and I just really like the idea of searching for that secret stash. I'm, I'm just imagining, like, the Fallout universe, but some, someone walking around in power armour looking for... Looking for the yeast. Yeah, and bourbon. Um, and, but, but, vault, vault uh, Kentucky. Vault Kentucky. But... Um, the yeast has been mutated by radiation, and that's now made a whiskey monster. <laughs> the yeast monster. And then the uh, the whiskey golem, who is me, by the way, will have an epic showdown with the yeast monster. <laughs> While I'm doing this, can you tell me... Oh, no, I found that. Don't worry. Well, can you tell me what the origin of Iris coffee is? 
someone had a coffee they were like I need something stronger with this coffee and they happen to have a bottle of Irish whiskey right next and to it. Is this the like, speculation that, or someone confirmed this for you? That, that'll do. They poured it in and they were like, oh, you know, it's, it's missing something. And then they went to go, they're like, oh, it's, it's still too hot. They went to go to the fridge and they're like, oh, I haven't got any milk, but I've got some cream. Let me put some cream in the top. Yes. Okay. Well, Joe Sheridan was a head chef in County Limerick back in the 1940s, and he claims he invented the Irish coffee. A group of American passengers disembarked from a Pan Am flying boat on a miserable winter evening, so Sheridan added whiskey to their coffee to cheer them up a bit and warm them up. When they asked if they were being served Brazilian coffee, Sheridan replied, No, Irish coffee. <laughs> so did it say how they came to adding the cream? Or? No, it doesn't say anything about the cream. That's, that's all it says. He just added whiskey. I imagine the cream was added later. If this is this is true, I remember going to um, going to Ireland and having like a properly made Irish coffee because I've like I've made them at home before and I haven't quite. Sometimes they seem to go all right, and then other times they're not quite as good as I've seen them elsewhere. But uh, going to Ireland and having like a proper Irish coffee was really nice, and a pint, and a pint of Guinness as well. Oh, of course, you can just mix a pint of Guinness and yeah. that would work. That's your whiskey trivia for today. Okay. Interesting. I didn't. Um, I didn't know about the yeast thing with um, wild, wild turkey. turkey and the. Uh, I can just imagine you now. Next time you go to America, just kind of dotting around the country, digging up people's fields. But like, it might be a wild cash. Let's find, find the, the yeast. Make my own wild turkey. I must find the secret recipe. Like Hello, a, is that the sheriff? We got another whiskey enthusiast. Just, just it's my worst redneck accent I've ever done. <laughs> Uh, no, I didn't know that about Irish coffee either. Never if it's it. true, I don't know if it's true. No. Do you fancy trying the highball? Oh, oh yes. You a whiskey highball. Granted, we don't have, really have highball glasses, but... Well, I, if I'd known, I, 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 I do have some highball glasses. If, if you'd that told was, me, I could have got them. Oh, well. I uh, didn't have any ice, but I've got some slightly chilled soda. Yeah. Give it a go. You can definitely still get that fruity note there. Yeah, it's quite nice. Mm. Refreshing. Kind of mellows it out a bit. Mm. Uh, but I suppose it is literally watering it down, which is which yeah. is why. But I've um on the few the few sunny days that we've had and I've when I've had a day off, I've been really got into doing whiskey highballs because A it's helped helped me be getting through some of my stash of whiskey, but also it's kinda of like quite nice on a sunny day, bit of bit of ice, some whiskey, soda, chill in the garden with a book in the sunshine. Nice. Plus I had a garden. Yeah. Don't even have a balcony. No. Plus I get to be outside looked in a window. Yeah. Sticking my head out. <laughs> just just ten minutes out in the sun sticking your head out the window. Like a dog, you know, like when dogs stick their heads out mm. the window. But no. Yeah, I've kind of um quite taken to whiskey highballs recently. I went to a whiskey bar in London, they were doing one with um Kura, which is a Finnish um, whiskey, it's oh, a rye okay. whiskey, and it worked super well. It Ooh. was really nice, like the spiciness kind of really came through. Kind of like with the fruitiness with this, but the sort of like rye spiciness really worked well with it. So, would you like to run your own whiskey bar someday? I think it's probably the only way I'd want to go back to working in bars mm-hmm. would be either working at a whiskey bar or owning the bar, or owning and running a whiskey. <laughs> I don't think bar. anyone will turn down owning a, no, something, but um. 
yeah, I think the only the only way I'd want to go back to bar work would be if it was at a whiskey bar. Um, and even then, I don't think I'd really want to do it for too long because I feel like bar work's kind of in my past now. Kind of want to try. I've been moving on from that. Can't escape your past, Henry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can. Actually, no, I can't because I still talk to you and you're my old job. <laughs> the, bar, the bar still sticks around. <laughs> The student became the master. Mm. Do you remember that phrase? Yes. Well, after, yeah, just, yeah. Because <laughs> that's how we got to know, we got to know each other from our bar job. Yeah. And, and you trained me on the bar job, and then you went away to go around Australia, actually. And when you came back, yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame I didn't know about this whiskey at the time. Otherwise, I probably would have gone and bought loads or gone to the distillery. But I didn't actually know it existed at the time. And when you came back, and I was. Finding the place, basically. <laughs> no, not yet. Not quite, because I came back and we both got promoted at the same time. Yeah. And then I went off to uni, and then when I came back, you you got promoted again. So you were, yeah, you were one of the duty manager. I was a manager. Yeah. Taking control. Yeah. Didn't listen to you. Yes, you did. <laughs> I just tried <laughs> to, try to do my job. <laughs> yeah, I was better than... Other people doing the job, at least. Some of the people who worked at the same time as you, a trained monkey, could do better. In fact, they're basically... They're basically, they're, I would have preferred the trained monkey, actually. <laughs> yeah, but after doing that and a couple of some other bar jobs, I was like, uh, I need to move on. And so uh, going from working in the in the bar with drinks and everything, I then proceeded to go and continue working in the drinks industry, <laughs> just in a different... Capacity. Capacity. More whiskey focus. But... Yeah. Anyway, we're talking of whiskey. Well, um, what have you been up to for the past month? Been reading anything interesting? Watched anything good? Oh, I read a very interesting book. Welcome to World Over Whiskey. <laughs> um, I read a book called. Oh, uh, shall I go on the book I've read, or shall I go to the book we've both read first? You talk about the one you've read. Okay. Um, and then you'll do your one, and then we'll do both. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I read a book called The Rage of Dragons by Evan Winter. Sounds like it's... Uh, is it sci-fi? Henry's got this annoying little grin on his face when he thinks he's being funny. Yeah. Um, fantasy. It's a fantasy book. It's at, it, it, I find it really interesting because most fantasy books, as you probably are aware, um, draw inspiration from European history, particularly medieval times or Roman times, etc. Mm. This book, The Rage of Dragons by Evan Winter, drew inspiration from African history. Oh, that's cool. Kind of like, um, uh, oh, was it the Poppy War? That kind of drew. Yeah, from uh, Chinese history. history. This is the, this one drew from African history. Nice. Which so the cultures that are shown in in, in this book are completely different to what you'd normally expect from a uh, fantasy book. No knights or magicians or anything like that here. What type of? What, like shaman and they uh, no just because it's still a developed society mm-hmm. um, but and it's still a feudal system in in a sense but it's just different so they've, they've got a caste based system for their uh, society which is actually quite quite detailed like they were, but it was basically split between the nobles and the commons mm-hmm. but they were, uh, it was a bit more complicated than that with different layers so there'd be like low commons who'd be like Possible to societal heat, and then they'd be like right at the top to governors who were still commoners, but they had more rights. If that makes sense, 
Uh, it, it's explained a lot better in the book. Um, and they have... Uh, words. <laughs> they have words. They do have words. You've got words and you've got whiskey, Tom. <laughs> got words on. and whiskey. Um, and obviously they've designed... The Evan Winter has designed all the language, essentially, uh, for proper nouns based on African languages. And the plot of this book... I don't think I've read a book where a protagonist goes through as much shit as poor Tao in um, The Rage of Dragons. So it's a common feature, a common advice given to writers. If you want to build drama and conflict in your story, find the worst thing that can happen to your character. And then let it happen. Hmm. And so, because I'm a bit drama savvy, I'm reading this book and I can see, oh, that's going to be the worst thing that can happen to this character. That's uh, Nothing bad's happened for a while, that's about to happen. And then something even worse happens that I didn't see coming because I was focusing on that. And it was really well done and maybe it's just me being dumb. I was like, oh, it's so much worse. And then the thing I thought was going to happen happens as well. It's like a double whammy. <laughs> it's a double whammy. And then something else happens that's really bad <laughs> I'm just like oh no so what's the sort of basic premise of the overarching story without giving too much I'll give it too much away so the um, the, uh, the society that the story focuses on is based on the peninsula and um, they all their neighbours are hostile the neighbouring nations um, who are all united against them actually and the only reason they've been able to hold out is because they can control dragons the main character Tao is training to be a warrior to fight on the front lines but because he's a commoner he doesn't get and he doesn't get to be involved with the dragons he doesn't get to control the dragons or anything like that um, it's like noble cast yes uh, essentially uh, it's more like um, they're equivalent of shamans but they, they don't have shamans the other society does but um, they're, they're equivalent of magic users uh, they can control dragons and because that's a really powerful gift because it's like inherited from birth doesn't matter what cast you are you're put in that special cast essentially yeah. but um, the main character can't and so he's going to fight on the front lines but it turns out he's a more important destiny than that as you can probably imagine happens in these books yeah it's fantasy it's like the hero's journey isn't it I wouldn't call him the chosen one or indeed the hero yeah. <laughs> though however okay the unfortunate one maybe, <laughs> basically yes he does not have a very nice very good but yeah, I thought it. I, I thought it went really well. It was so refreshing to read the story that was just so different. So is it a standalone or is it a? Part it's of a series? series, but I think it's a trilogy. But don't quote me on that. Uh, but there's definitely a sequel. But the last book hasn't been written yet, and Evan Winter is. Um, last time I looked it up, and it may, it may have changed now. He's taken his time with the last book because he wants to make sure it's as good as possible for so his fans. Could be like ten years, like George R. R. Martin and. Well, Evan Winter's a lot not younger and presumably healthier than George R. R. Martin, so hopefully... He'll be, he'll be done sooner. <laughs> yeah. Might even be out before Windsor Winter. Maybe. At least it's not as bad as the King Killer books by Patrick Rothfuss. Um, so that's meant to be a trilogy, but it's taken him about 10 think, years or yeah, more. Yeah, I think I remember seeing it once I sent you a link. I was like, oh, this sounds really interesting. You're like, yeah, I've, I've, I've read those already. I'm still waiting for the next book. I was like, mm. oh, okay. <laughs> You stop doing that because every book series you sent me, I've got read it, read it, I've read that. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. I can't send you any like fantasy suggestions or anything because usually you've read them already. Mm. I was like, uh, oh, was it? Uh, funny enough, since we had our um, last episode and you were talking about Shadow and Bone, which actually might have to borrow that off you if that's okay. Mm. But a number of people have, have recommended, it, have to recommended you. it to me now, and they're like. 
one of them had been reading it someone else had read it recently and then oh man you've got to re- read it, it is been really watching good. the show and everything and I'm like if I may make yeah, a suggestion I've got, I've, got watch it. I've got to read it now and then watch the show I would watch the show before you read the book really because I that's what I did and I loved the show and I loved the books more but I spoke to people who did it the other way around mm. and because the show's quite in fact it's very different from the book yeah. they couldn't watch the show it's the same, you know, the Wheel of Time. Yeah. You really enjoyed that show, but because I'd read the books that the first series is based on, mm. I couldn't get past the first episode because it, ch- it just changed too much. Fair enough. So it's going to be a bit like that. Uh, I reckon you won't enjoy the show as much. I, I know you prefer to read the books first, and I do admire that, but I, my recommendation would be watch the show first. Okay. All right. Because I, I, what um, they did with the show, they tr- kind of they, they wanted to make a series of um, Saddle and Bone. Mm. But they also want to make a series of Six of Crows, Leigh Bardugo's other major series. Which is series. set sort of like in the similar time period, isn't it's it? It's set after Saddle and Bone, okay. the books are. Um, but they wanted, they wanted to make both into a series, but they didn't have the budget. So they merged them together, okay. um, essentially. And so technically you wouldn't be giving yourself that many big spoilers because some of the episodes are mostly focused on the other book. And... In order to make the timeline work, they have to change a lot mm-hmm. and add loads of new bits in that aren't in the books at all. Okay. So I can actually think of loads of stuff from the first season of Saturday and Bone that isn't in the books at all. Fair enough. Um, and it's quite a good idea, a good way to introduce the characters in the sense. Mm-hmm. Because you, I think they did the casting perfectly. You'll see what I mean. Um, especially Kaz Brecker, absolutely spot on. And once you see them on the screen, when you then read the book, you can actually picture... So I don't think they actually use the quotes from the book in the um, show, not all of them, but you can act, the way that they've adapted it to the screen has just been absolutely spot on. Okay. I might, in my um, opinion. speak to other people I've known who've... Done both. Done both and see what they recommend as well, and then I'll take a decision. What to, but that's the thing, yeah, because like you said, with sometimes if you read the books and then you watch the show... It's like particularly um, for me, it was the Last Kingdom. Uh, uh, yeah, actually, no, I found that. So, I, 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 uh, several seasons into the Last Kingdom, I had to stop. Yeah. Because too much, it's like it compl- he doesn't die there, or someone doesn't kill him, or whatever. Yeah, they completely. It was. It was. It been such. A, I loved the books. And I read all the books, mm. and I I enjoyed the show at the start, like the first few seasons. Because they kind of focused pretty much by the book, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, and then they completely went off. On their own and it thing, it went completely different, and um, I didn't. I didn't really enjoy because I was like, "This isn't what I was expecting from it." Whereas one of my other friends who watched the show at a similar time as me, he didn't read the books, and but he, he loves the show. Mm. And I had to be like, I think there's one point. I think it's like season five. And it's like, oh man, I finished season five, and I'm like, I'm like on episode three, and I'm struggling to get through it. It's like, but it's been out for like two months now and I was like I, I just can't get through it um, yeah it's like, why are you, and I, was like, I was like actually I don't know why I'm continuing it because I'm not enjoying it not anymore. enjoying it so I think I did end up finishing the season and by the end of the season I was like yeah no I'm, I'm done I've had a really in- interesting conversation with someone at work recently about this sort of thing and how there's been such a backlash from the f- so they make these adaptations because the whatever they're adapting already has a, lo- a massive fan base who are guaranteed to watch your show. Yeah. So why are they? Why are they changing anything? Yeah. Why? Why aren't they just literally put making whatever the original story already is live action? The original story obviously already works. Yeah. 
because but it's also the same argument with like um, the whole talk of like a Harry Potter remake is that they're going to do a TV series but they, at the same time they know they're guaranteed to have fans and stuff who will watch it yeah so they, so what they shouldn't do is cha- deviate from the stories because they're just going to upset all those fans and there's actually been such a backlash lately about things that they've changed like with Game of Thrones um, that hopefully uh, studios will take that on board and not take too many liberties if you want to put your own spin on something do your own show yeah it's kind of a it's a weird one because sometimes they want to add different things in to make it kind of refreshing and different Um, it was like uh, with The Last of Us The Last of Us um, yeah that did it really well that was pretty much by the not by the book but they kept the core of the story intact yes but they changed elements but sometimes that worked well they mostly just added in more bits or expanded on storylines that they didn't have time to do in the games and that worked so much better I mean they changed a few things I know and and that was fine because the end result was normally the same Um, but most of the stuff in that was in the show that didn't happen in the games was expanding on stuff that was from the games yeah and I think that if they did something like that with a book or something and they kept the core of the story much mm. the same but then they could potentially expand on bits in the story that were only briefly mentioned or um, it was kind of like with um, Lord of the Rings so many times that the battles actually get really skipped over in the books absolutely but I really hated yeah because I, I think I I think I was very young when I read the first books and I then I watched the films and loved the films they're still to this day one of my favourite some of my favourite films but the battles are my favourite scenes and mm, then going back and course. rereading them and realising how little of them actually. actually is I'm like but but the battles are the best parts <laughs> I don't care about Frodo and the ring and everything give me more of the big massive set piece battles well unfortunately I don't actually think that was Tolkien's intention to begin with he hated war he was he fought in World War One. No, so I, I, I think that's actually Peter Jackson's influence yeah but I think it actually works really well oh 100% well, that's the whole point of it isn't it it's massive battle against evil yeah and yeah it's I want to go I want to re- rewatch Lord of the Rings now <laughs> Right, we're going to marathon, all yeah. three films, extended edition. I'll see you in the morning. One of my friends sent me an offer for tickets to go see Return of the King extended edition in cinema. It's like, oh man, this would be really cool. We can watch it like it when it first came out. And it had the runtime, and it was like almost five hours. I'm just like, oh geez. no! It's like 260 minutes or something. 260 minutes? Or something. Yeah, it's like almost four hours. Yeah. yeah. Oh god. It's like, damn, that's a that's a long time. <laughs> oh god! No, that sounds like a really uh, interesting book. Like again, like we we still need to finish the um, Poppy War. Poppy War trilogy. I've got the third book over there. Yeah, we should um, we should re- read that at some point. But no, that sounds really interesting. I'll have to again add it to the long list. Of I've got a physical copy if you want to borrow yeah. it. Oh yay! Yeah, it's not on ebook this time. I can actually borrow it. <laughs> um, yeah, that'd be cool to read. Like, a, like you said, it's not European like fantasy. It's more based on a different culture and a different. Yeah, spin which I think is something that fantasy really needs because I am sick of dukes and kings and knights, princesses. I'm just like, <sighs> need a fant- fantasy pirate. 
fantasy pirates, we need a fantasy CEO, we need a fantasy detective. In fact, actually, I'm looking forward to reading later on this year um, The Alloy of Law by our Lord and Saviour, Brandon Sanderson, <laughs> which I believe... Give me just a second. Did I send you that? I think I sent you that thing where they're interviewing Henry Cavill and he was talking about some of his favourite authors and Brad and Sanderson. Sanderson got mentioned. Still need to make you a t-shirt which says Our Lord and Saviour Brandon Sanderson. Yeah, so actually uh, the Alloy of Law does involve detectives in some capacity actually. Yes. So, uh, yes. I stand corrected. I'm looking forward to that. Oh, what did I read? Um, you read a book recently, Henry. I did, I did read a book recently, yes. <laughs> That's the thing I do. I do read books. Um, you can read? I, apparently so. Yeah, it was quite surprised. My uh... <laughs> The book was quite surprised. <laughs> the book was surprised that I picked it oh up. Oh my God, I'm being read. <laughs> this is fantastic. Oh, excuse me, good sir. Can you actually read? It's a, capacity, it's a skill that's very much needed. Yeah, they were like, uh, yeah, look at that guy. The book's upside down. I was reading a book by Stephen Pressfield who we've actually read a non-fiction by... The him. War of Art. No, yes. Not to be confused with The Art of War by Sun Tzu, a very different book. Yes. This was one of his historical fiction books. For which is more well-known. Yeah. Um, and it was... I have a couple of his books, um, like some of his... A, a few of his non... Um, his historical fiction books. But this is actually the first one I've got around to reading. And it's... Ooh. It's funny because War on Art and in this book Gates of Fire. War of Art. I think. I don't know. It's over there. I'll look at I'll have a look. Hold on. War of Art. Yes. Yeah. War of Art. But War of Art, I think I read initially because I had heard it recommended so many times. Mm. I got you to read it as well. And I was very surprised when I saw you had a copy as well. Well, I was skipping through. I was reading a few, a few of the passages again. Yeah. But... Um, so that one I had heard recommended so many times on podcasts and other books. But this other book, Gates of Fire, is one I've heard recommended so many times in podcasts and other books. It's about the Battle of Thermopylae. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's one of your favourite historical battles? If you have such a thing. Uh, Random throwaway question. Do you want, do you want a fun fact? Oh, I've, well, you were there? <laughs> yes, I'm actually thousands of years old. Well, for my might be a time traveller. Yeah. So there's, there's um, Leonidas, like, well, this is... Who are you? And he was there eating popcorn, like, no, no, don't mind me, continue. <laughs> Just watching. Uh, but I've never actually seen the film 300. <laughs> what? <laughs> I've seen clips, but I've never actually watched the whole thing through. Is it your favourite battle? I don't think I have a favourite historical battle. Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah. But okay. Is um, it your favourite battle? No. What's your favourite historical battle? Oh, oh, that's a good question. I've watched lots of YouTube videos on this and battle tactics, because I'm boring like that. Just so, you know, I can outmanoeuvre my friends and enemies if we ever happen to be manoeuvring cavalry across the plains. Um, and Phalanx for Masons. Uh, sorry. Um, it might be, I forget what it's called, but it's that very famous battle um, from... Uh, the second Punic War, I think, or the third Punic War, the one with Hannibal. And Hannibal did this amazing, had this amazing strategy, which definitely really could have and should have failed, where he was outnumbered by the Romans. So he had his men sort of line up in front of the Romans, and he put himself right in the middle. And it was crucial that he had to, himself had to fight on the front lines, because otherwise he couldn't ensure his men would keep fighting. And basically, when the Romans, so that's who they were facing, attacked, 
his uh, force in the centre kind of retreated, and Paul and the Romans obviously followed. But the his forces on the flanks stayed where they were, and so he was able to actually completely encircle the Romans this way. And in um, classical era uh, tactics, if you're completely encircled, you're basically fucked. Yeah. Right. It makes me think of, um, I think it was like a, one of Caesar's tactics where they were like besieging a place mm-hmm. and then they um, they ended up building a wall around it. But then they'd heard like the enemies called in reinforcements. So they built a second wall <laughs> to keep those enemies out whilst they continued ah, to besiege the town. The battle I was thinking of is the Battle of Cannae. Which was uh, August the second, two hundred and sixteen BC, and it was the Second Punic War, and Hannibal annihilated fifty thousand enemies, which was unprecedented at the time. And it's not my famous, my favourite um, historical battle, but it's an interesting uh, historical war fact that I heard the other day on one of my favourite YouTube channels, Extra History, which you should look up if you're interested. Um, and it's basically <laughs> um, a tried and tested. Uh, ancient military tactic called the donkey bomb. <laughs> Essentially, um, some Union forces in the American Civil War found themselves surrounded by Confederate rebels. And so they had to get creative in how they were going to win this battle. And they thought, I know, we're going to put loads of gunpowder on the back of some donkeys, light the fuse, and send the donkeys charging into the rebels. Ingenious. So they put the gunpowder on the donkeys, they lit the fuse, and they're like, charge! And the donkeys just didn't move. Because they're donkeys. So they hit the donkeys and they kick the donkeys, they threw stones at the donkeys, the donkeys didn't move. Because it's a donkey. So eventually it gets to the point where the fuse is starting to go down a bit and the Union soldiers panic and try to, you know, run away like abandon, abandon donkey, let's retreat. <laughs> <laughs> and the donkey goes, Ah, oh, my owner's leaving. I'm gonna follow. Oh, <laughs> oh, <no>. So, <laughs> so um, luckily there are no humans well, I say luckily, the donkey's still sadly perished. Um, but lo- there were no humans nearby when the, don- the, when the donkeys went off. The Confederates are very confused why the Union soldiers were blowing up their own gunpowder and donkeys. Yeah, why they're exploding donkeys. Unfortunately, well, uh, uh, strangely enough, there was a massive herd of bison nearby, and the um, explosions caused them to stampede. So they did go stampeding through the camp and had the desired effect of disrupting supplies and ruining the camp and killing people that the Unions wanted. Sadly, it was not the Confederate camp. It was the Union camp. Oh, no. I thought thought it was about to be like one of those task failed successfully. No, it was task failed terribly. Terribly. Completely failed. One of my favourite historical wars is... The um, Emu War. Emu War. The Emu War. Which is absolutely hilarious. (laughs) Ah, and it's very fitting because it took place in Australia for yeah. this Australian whiskey. Yes, maybe they, maybe they should have just left loads of whiskey lying around to get the emus drunk. But that'd be even worse. Yeah, probably actually. But it's hilarious that they just couldn't take out these birds, even with like machine guns and rifles and everything. The birds were very resilient. So essentially, the emu war, um, which took place. Um, in 1932 was where the Australian government declared war on the emu population of Australia. That's just like wild animals. Because they were massive pests. Because they were massive pests. Um, And so they sent in the military and they lost to the birds. They were accused of (laughs) guerrilla tactics. (laughs) 
Um, so, to give you an idea, emus can reach six foot three inches height in height. Six foot three. An emu is taller than me. An emu is taller than me. They can travel. They can travel. They can sprint at forty-eight kilometers, thirty miles an hour. They yeah. can sprint at thirty miles an hour. They can break the speed limit on my road. I'm just imagining the emu running up and down your road now. It, they were the thing is, I, I've, I've watched YouTube videos. That if the emu knew it was annoying me by doing that, it would do it. Yeah. Emus have this strange, mischievous sense of humour. So I've, I've, I've again YouTube videos accounts of people uh, minding their own business in the Australian outback and emus will sneak up behind them and pop them on the head with their beak and then run away it's like knock down ginger kind of thing <laughs> of course being hit in the head by the beak of a six foot three <laughs> bird is going to really fucking hurt yeah but, uh, I remember I remember having to read about it for like an article I was writing and it was absolutely hilarious it was like one of one of my favourite articles I wrote I was like this is <laughs> this, this is, is insane. great I love- I love this. It was it was probably my favourite article I got to write about because it was just so funny to learn about. <laughs> but yeah, after that slight tangent, I will get back to Stephen Pressfield's Gates of Fire. So it is based around the um, Battle of Thermopylae, and the human soldiers fired their Lewis guns with vigour, but it was the emus that came out of the victorious <laughs> Great Eden War of 1932. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> back to Stephen Pressfield. Anyway, back, back to Stephen Pressfield. So yes, I haven't seen Three Hundred. I, I probably should, because uh, I told another friend this. Coincidentally, also called Tom, and he was shocked that I hadn't seen Three Hundred. But so it's based about around the Battle of Thermopylae. Um, but it's probably a bit closer to the historical accurate side of things where it wasn't just the 300 are you calling the film 300 not historically accurate yes yes I am you mean to say that um, uh, was it Xerxes the person prince who was it yeah you mean to say he wasn't actually a demigod no he didn't have an army of monsters no I didn't realise there were monsters in it no Mm. okay yeah I I need to watch that film yes you do but it, it was more to do with like the Spartans, the 300 Spartans, but it was also about their Greek allies. But it was really interesting because the perspective of the story was told uh, by a survivor of the battle who was captured by the Persians. And then he's giving his account of what happened um, to Xerxes and his historians who are writing the notes of this of his account. But it's also because he was actually the main character, uh, which I forget his name now. But his he was an outsider. He wasn't a Spartan, mm. but he grew his uh, home was destroyed by other Greeks, and then he travelled around with the remainder of his family before he wanted to go and he basically went to um, Sparta and joined them. But he wasn't like a Spartan warrior. He was basically like a slave and then became like a squire to one of the... What are they called again? Um, oh, I can't... Not helots, is it? Not, it might be helots. It begins with a hate, doesn't it? I know, because the helots were like their... Kind of like their... Not, like, sort of their slave warriors, I think. 
But he was basically... No, Helots were the um, subjugated population ruled by Sparta. Yeah. But he was an outsider. She wasn't even a Helot. No, I don't think. Um, but he like he was initially when he was a kid he was like a farmhand and then he was they saw that he was could be an effective fighter so he was basically a training par- partner for for some of the the Spartan children mm-hmm. and then eventually worked his way up and kind of became like a, a, a number two to a one of the Spartan peers as they were called so the, the Spartans like regarding all the Spartan warriors they were like as long as you achieved the the Scarlet Cloak, you were a peer, you were an equal. Oh, okay. And so he was there with the 300, but of course it wasn't just the 300 because they had their backup guys, they had their helots and their squires and um, then they had... Presumably they had cooks and supply people and camp followers. They had the the other Greek allies. So it was really interesting because it it kind of went a bit back and forth. So it went from they were mustering for the battle and then it goes back to his... Do you know what this reminds me of? Do you remember a book I read last year? It was on my top five books from last year. Empire of the Vampire by um, Dre Kristoff. Yes. Yeah. It's a very similar premise, how the main character is recounting the events to what are essentially the villains. Yeah, so this is what this character's doing, but he goes back and forth. Um, it's not like sequential. It's like, uh, so here's, uh, this was some of my time when I was like a teenager with the Spartans. Then this is how... I ended up uh, with the Spartans. This is what happened in my childhood. This was my journey to get there. This was my experience with my friends and my allies. And then, of course, it builds up to the battle. And uh, the, the description of the battle is great as well. And um, it's really good because they fit in some of those lines. Even like some of the lines I know from the 300. It's like, um, they're, like their arrows shall dark in the sky then good we shall fight, fight in, in the, the shade, shade. yeah um, and like lines like that and it's just like ah oh, it's so good um, but it was yeah it was really fun and it was really incredibly well written and it was really fun to see it from a, di- a different perspective like not not I didn't really know what it was going to be like going in I thought it would be like one of the Spartans or um it would be sort of written more in the third person, whereas a bit more it's like a character recounting their story to others. Um, so that was not the perspective I expected it to be going mm-hmm. in. How did you find that? I really enjoyed it. I thought it worked really well because you because you were like the the main character in the sense you were an outsider learning. This yeah, story. I suppose you you identify with him more because you're both outsiders. Yeah, and so you you were learning. And like I said, it's written from the sort of like the perspective of the guy writing the history for King Xerxes. And it's kind of like you're learning the story with him as he recounts the notes and everything. So that was really good. And it kind of makes me um, want to read more of Stephen Pressfield's work now because it was a really good book. It was, I think it was about 500 pages and finished it in like a week and a half. That's quite good for you. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. But talking of other books I really enjoyed... Yep, finger guns. It's time. It's time to talk about Golden Sun, which is by um, Pierce Brown, I believe so. Which yes, Pierce Brown. It's, it's here. Oh. Which is the second book in the Red Rising series, mm-hmm. and it was incredible. It was a very good book. It was a very. Good I'm. Book. I don't think you quite agree with me, but I said because I, I I I 
it was very much like when I read Red Rising mm-hmm. I messaged you to say like you need to read this need to read it this. was great and I was reading Golden Sun and I was like I think I hadn't even finished it and I messaged you like I'm reading Golden Sun I think it's as good as if not better than the first one and then you read you read it in like Three days. Three days, something like that, yeah. Yeah, it, it. it took me like five days to read this. So yeah. I think I was stayed up till 4am reading that book, actually. Oh, no, that was the thing. That was the, with Red Rising, it was the first book that I'd stayed up till like 2am. Like I used to do that when I was a kid. Mm. I haven't done that nearly as much since being an adult. But that was like the first book I'd stayed up till like early in the morning because mm. I was like, I have to finish this. And Golden Sun was the same thing. I was up, up till like one in the morning on the last night because I was like, I've got like 50 pages left. I need to know how this ends. <laughs> and oh, it was so good. It was good. Spoiler free discussion first. Spoiler free. Spoiler free. Cool. What do you want to say about spoiler free? What's your what's your opinion spoiler free? My opinion spoiler free. What major... F- I, I thought this book really went into the themes that the whole series is going to be doing more than the first book. Uh, could do, uh, what themes did you pick out from it? War. War was a big theme. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind of rebellion, the social divide, the class system. Um, the class system is definitely a massive social commentary. In, yeah, absolutely. Uh, betrayal was a big theme. So I found uh, this book particularly, but really the whole series, um, but not that I've read the rest of it yet, has this massive theme of do the ends justify the means? Like, have you ever heard the phrase to fight monsters, you must become a monster? Mm. Because if you think about it... Um, oh, that, that's, that's... Yeah, that really... Now you say that. Now you say that. You see what I mean now? Yeah. yeah. That, that, that's the biggest thing I got from it. And it was very much... I, I was reading it going, is it worth it? And I, I really think that's what you're meant to think. No one actually goes out and says it in the story. But I think what you're meant to take from it is... Is it worth it? Yes, it's awesome. They're dropping nukes. They're blowing things up. They're having these awesome fights. Is it worth it? Is it the right thing to do? Yeah. Will it actually achieve? Will it achieve anything? It, is it justified? It, but because they're doing it for a good reason, does that make it right? That's really what, what I got from it. Because I'm like, if you think about it, everything that the main character is trying to... Actually, I, I don't want to... That might be a spoiler discussion, so I'm not going to say that. Yeah, no, now you say that, that is very prevalent. Uh, you smell whiskey? Just a small cup. Yeah, I, feel, I feel like I need this for the big discussion. <laughs> uh, yeah, so in terms of the world building, it really reminded me of sort of like a cross. It reminded, reminded me of, of elements of June, actually. Um, so I think we, did we discuss it on the podcast this episode or did we discuss it before the podcast? We were discussing June before. Before. So, obviously, in June, you've got the kind of feudal system in the galaxy. Yeah. And obviously, this has something very similar yeah. in terms of noble houses, ruling planets, or what have you. Yeah. And those noble houses have an infighting which escalate into full-blown war. Yeah. Yeah, because the main... Again, like, another big theme of this is, like, civil war. Civil war. Yeah. Um, and power corrupts mm. is a major theme I got from this. Yes. Power is really corrupting. But uh, um, and there's another thing I want to talk about, but in the spoiler discussion, to back up my point, I would need to reveal some spoilers. But actually, no, I can maybe actually... No, I can, I can talk about it now. So one thing that I noticed kept occurring, and it was just in this book, not in the first book, unless I'm not remembering it properly. One thing that I was 
really noticing happen, happening was people saying, we're going to do something. It's a, something horrible, but it's going to prevent something worse happening later. And there are at least two examples that I can think of. And, um, and that's a really interesting discussion. And I can give you the examples in the spoiler discussion. Well, now you say that, I think that still rang true in the first book. Because oh. there were instances where characters would have to do something. They're like, we have to do this bad thing now to prevent it, something even worse in the future. Well, fair enough then. I, I, I didn't remember that properly. Well, it's like, uh, I think in the first book, there's the one of the characters who they they kind of like have to set an example of them first. Oh, I think I know the one you mean. Yeah, they kind of have to set the example with that person to prevent him or that character or someone else doing something worse again mm. in the future. So it's kind of like that theme continues. We have to... Yes, I know the one you mean, but I'm pretty certain that character deserved it. Whereas in this, they're actually doing it... They're doing terrible things to innocent people. Mm to prevent something worse from happening. It's like the next level. It's like the next level, you're quite right. And it's sort of like, again, this whole power corrupts through the ends justify the means um, that I've really got from this. So obviously, um, you're not meant to idolise the gold in this book. No. You're not, although it seems like it might be so much fun uh, commanding fleets and going to school where you can kill your classmates. No, 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 just me. Okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> that was no, I was joking. Um, I was joking. Um, but I can see some people. I'm worried some people will read this and go, "Oh, that would be awesome." Yeah, I want my sling blade, and I want to command fleets, and we'll have a big interstellar civil war because the way it's presented. The way war is presented from the point of view of the society is fun. It's, a it's game. fun, exactly, exactly. And I think this—that's a. I think the big, biggest theme I got from this book is that's wrong, basically. Uh, and, and and so I think anyone reading this going, "Oh yeah, this is awesome." It's not an adventure. It's not. So that's like even like one of the earliest scenes because our main character he is actually he's infiltrated this higher society mm. you know, reds who are the lowest and then golds who are the highest he is a red disguised as a gold there's a scene early on where there's a there's a space battle and so many of the other different the lower classes get killed in that battle and we go into the spoiler discussion now we're about we're almost transitioning into it yeah. uh, but he, he's one of the few people who's thinking what the that, fuck yeah, yeah all those people just died for a training exercise a training exercise and nobody nobody's commented no, no one's no even one mentioned yeah except so tens of thousands of people yeah. died but even then he, he's like he's kind of getting wrapped up in the higher society as well because he's like it's bad that it happened and he feels awful but he's like it's still for my goal mm. it has to be the ends justify the means yeah so but shall we swap to spoilers? Spot to spoilers. Cool. So the things are the two specific examples I was trying to talk about, about uh, the whole idea of doing something bad now to prevent something worse happening in the future. The first one was, it was quite early in the book, where Augustus is talking about how they're going to stop the terrorist actions of the Sons of Arras. Um, he says, we're going to commit our own terrorist campaign, it's even worse, and blame it on them. Yeah. And um, his own advisors 
who are gold are like, what the fuck? Mm. <laughs> it's incredibly pragmatic. It's also horrible. Yeah, that, that was dark. You're like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> so there's there's that one. And the other one was when um, Darrow decides, because Mustang comes on to him pretty strongly, and Darrow doesn't respond, and sort of like tries to cut ties with her because he thinks, I'm going to break her heart inevitably anyway. May as well do it now. Yeah. So that's another one that I noticed. And they, they keep happening, and I think that, that, that we're meant to pick up on it. And I wanted to discuss, is that the right thing to do? Because, for example, in the Darrow Mustang example, um, I understand where he's coming from. He thinks, I'm going to break her heart even worse in the future, so I'll break her, let her down gently now. But I'm thinking, we don't know what's happening in the future. Why cause certain pain now when you could, for all you know, find a way to avert the coming crisis? Because he's worried that if he doesn't do it now, the pain will be even worse in the future. You're, uh, yeah, no, I know. But he could in that intermediate intervening time find a solution why is he going oh it's a lost cause essentially he's given up mm. and that's just going to cause I more pain for both of them no because he, he feels like he's cutting his losses now rather than exactly which I didn't agree it. with and the Augustus example is being even more brutal really the right way to go to us no it wouldn't be to him it but seems very him, pragmatic yeah, exactly He's basically an evil, narcissistic... <laughs> yes, he was not the nicest character, no. I must admit. So to him, it must make perfect sense. But um, I just thought it was very interesting, this whole idea of, is doing something horrible for the right reason actually a good thing? Or is it just still bad? Yeah. Is infiltrating this society... I mean, Darrow kind of becomes the most gold of the golds, which is ironic because he's not a gold. Yeah. But he actually becomes the most gold. I mean, they all, everyone in the society knows his name now. Like, he is, the mo- he, he is the most stereotypical of all the golds. Yeah, he basically becomes the... But, Warlord. Yeah, practically. It was interesting because why, why I kind of love this book was because it went in the direction I was not expecting. With the again, like with the first book, it had so many plot twists and twists and turns. It it did not go how I expected. No. When I initially started the book, I thought, okay, he's been accepted into like the higher ranks of the gold society. He's like a patron of this big house. He and I thought it was just going to transition. Easily. He's going to kind of develop, get higher and higher. Yeah, and higher. I thought he, he was. I did as well, but then obviously it doesn't happen. No. And straight away, bad shit occurs. And actually, I think that had to happen it th- so yeah it's worked so much better if he just kept succeeding 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 you'd be like oh he won that one oh he won that one yeah it was like uh, particularly like with that in that initial training exercise with the fleet anything ah he's won he's gonna be like he's gonna soon be a fleet commander and then it all goes to shit mm. and he's about to lose his like higher position and then the plan comes into place, which basically initiates a civil war. I was like, blimey, I wasn't expecting that. Mm. And then you've got the civil war. You've got, it basically becomes like a grand space opera. Almost. It does. It um, does, actually. Like the civil war, these space battles, the orbital, the orbital um, bombardment, the... Um, basically like ODST. I fucking love that scene. <laughs> where they're, they're fucking going down in like the... Um, drop pods, basically. Drop pods, the... What is it they call it? The... Um, Iron Rain? Iron Rain or something. 
you know, basically going down in the drop pods. That was, oh, that was such a cool scene. <laughs> that was so good. Um, I love that. Uh, but yeah, it was, and then you've got like the bit of like the political intrigue and the backstabbing and mm. the, um, you've got the rebellion going on as well with the, like the Reds trying to rise up and then like the, even like the own conflict between the Reds, the different cells. Like yeah. The cells and everything. That was really interesting. And so, like the plot twist of who was actually behind. Um, that was a good plot twist. Who, yeah, um, who Ares I did not expect that. No, me neither. I didn't see that coming <laughs> of either. all the people. I, I suspected it m- might be one of them, but I did not expect. No, that was really good. And then the, uh, the ending of the book as well, where you think it's gone, everything's kind of falling into place, and then there's more backstabbing, and you're like, oh, damn. <laughs> Not expecting that. Who was who was who was some of your favourite characters from this? So you, you you're you're going to know who one of my favourite characters was. For I'm sorry, I, I am. Um, I'm going to surprise you. I have a soft spot for the jackal <laughs> because I was up to that point in the book where he's first introduced in, in this book. I was getting very sick of all the golds sort of conforming to their society. Like you don't really beat any golds up to that point who don't you know go in for honor and dueling and war and serving their lord they're all doing that and then you meet the jackal and i'm like finally someone with a backbone he's, he's doing so he's doing doing his own thing he's basically yeah. trying to build his like own, media empire yeah his own like economic empire and basically become like a like control control, control through power through money and me wealth. money and media yeah absolutely yeah that was yeah his his take was really interesting he's still devious in the backstab. Yeah, yes he is. But that's what makes him such a compelling character. Yeah, Lorn was one of my favourite characters. I thought it would be. You have a thing for your honourable patrician knight. Yeah, it was really cool. What I loved was the fact that because when when we finished the first book, mm. um, of course um, Darrow, he's like offered the chance to go and study under Lorne, but he picks the Augustus family because they're the, like the more powerful. Yeah, and you said you were upset they didn't join Lorne. Yeah, I thought that was a betrayal of Lorne because he sent him aid. Absolutely, not just aid, but sent him personal items he thought would help. Yeah, but then it was so cool to find out that he'd actually secretly been like, a secret actually, apprentice. I think that reveal wasn't handled very well. Uh, because I couldn't pick up on anything to suggest that I didn't you kind of at first didn't realise what was happening yeah until, like oh wait until he like at first you think it's a bluff you, you think, think it's he, a bluff yeah uh, yeah maybe that was intentional I'm not sure but I felt that they could have left more of a breadcrumb trail of, of clues like you should for a, a, a good twist like they did for many of the other twists in the book like, like Pierce Brown did but he didn't do for this twist so it didn't have that same impact I think if I'd gone, oh, of course, he's been practising with Lorne. Oh, that would have had more of an effect. Yeah. At first, you think it's a bluff. And, yeah. And then you... Re- but that's the thing, you think, oh, this is a bluff. And then you realise, oh, no, this is the truth. And I think it I still feel, kind of works. It still kind of works. But for me, it's just a bit too much like, you, oh, oh you, yeah, in the gap between books, I suddenly became good. Did you think it was a bit too sudden? Do you think that's why? It was too sudden, me, sorry. It was too sudden. And also, it made that fight with Cassius too easy. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like the two uh, wayward brothers coming face to face again. It felt like, and this is what happened, uh, Darrow kicked his ass. 
Yeah, which is what happened. Uh, it's like, still quite satisfying. It was quite satisfying. But he, to go from the previous book, where basically he was relying on brute strength and savagery because he hasn't had the martial background of the other golds, in this book, to suddenly he now has the martial background of the other golds, just like that. I felt I felt more preparation could have been done. I felt like it, it's like saying how in book one the characters done to learn them, their powers, and in book two they've mastered their powers and onto new stuff now. And I'm like, well. That was a major theme of the first book. That was what set him apart from everyone else. But now he's got that too. Yeah. I really liked the um, introduction of Law, and I'm like, I'm glad he got included because he was mentioned mm. in the previous books, but we didn't really see him. And to previous get book. to see him in the sorry, previous <laughs> book, uh, but to get to see him and see what he was like in it was really good fun. I really enjoyed his character. I quite enjoyed a few of the other. Um, can we talk about Ragnar? Yeah. I loved yeah. Ragnar. He was such a good character. His, His introduction. Oh. <laughs> where he sort of like overrides their comms and speaks in this booming, was, sinister I was, voice. I was so confused as to what was happening there. I was like, yeah, I was like, oh my God, who is this? And then everyone else on the bridge starts whispering, he's coming, stained. And I was like, oh shit. And then he comes up and just, just destroys that team of golds and greys. Just like, I don't think he even bothered to describe what happened. He just savaged them. <laughs> Well, he says some of it, like, it crosses someone's head in his bare hands. Well, like, fucking hell. Yeah. I like, whenever he shows up in later scenes, like, um, when Darrow visits the Jackal, and the Jackal security team is like, we've got to check your ship for bugs and bombs. And Darrow's like, okay, oh, Ragnar, let the mice search the ship. <laughs> and the greys are like, oh. <laughs> and I think he's sort of saying, what are these bombs for? I've got him. Yeah. No, he was a really good character and like a bit of some of his development as well he, mm. he became he was a much more central figure than I thought he was going to be in it um, like his develop with Darrow and how their relationship develops yeah again with them um, and his lines as well you have 10 breaths left yeah like no no threats just certainty you're going to be dead in 10 breaths yeah what was um, oh what's the the wolf character called Severo Severo Oh, I, I loved him in the first book and he's, mm. he's, he's almost become like better in this he's become better yeah he's, he's I love him so much Goblin yeah he's one of the best characters because he's just again he's like he doesn't fit the gold yeah stereotype he's sort of like a maverick Outs- kind yeah, of character outsider. yeah I love of, characters like that he embraces it he's like yeah no fuck your society and your rules I'm gonna do my own thing yeah scratches his balls <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. Just vulgar, <laughs> vulgarizes everyone. Yeah. He was he was good, um, but yeah, the plot twist at the end, I, it makes me super intrigued for the final, or for the third book. I think it's a trilogy. Uh, it's more than a trilogy. Maybe there's a. I shall show you. Because they're all here. Oh, you got more. Because I think it was initially a trilogy, but then they made oh, it. Yeah, absolutely. Then there they are. Oh, you've got even more. Yay! There's more to read. And there's a big one as well. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely going to finish Morningstar, which is the third book. That's the third book, Morningstar. Before, before the end of the year. And then Iron Gold is the... Next one. Is that even... No, spoilers. no. Wait. Careful, spoilers. Oh, yeah, so... It is a trilogy, I think, you're right. And these two are like the standalone sequels, I think? Nice. Interesting. Yeah, so... Do you think we could get through the last 
um, of these books by the end of the year and the last poppy ball by the end of the year yeah should I we think. do those for our next two podcasts I think so yeah because I definitely um, definitely want to read I, I, yeah I think I'll definitely finish that before the end of the year it's just because it's like we discussed on I think it was the previous episode we were saying like, this should be a TV show it should it would be a really good yeah, TV show so good as long as they stick to yes, the story. Yes, yes, It's one of those ones where it's like, don't deviate from this. It's fine. It's, it's absolutely so fine. fine. You don't have to change doing. anything. But yeah. Talking of TV shows, you've been watching anything interesting? I think we, we discussed this before. Ahsoka, you're not interested in that. I haven't been watching Ahsoka, no. No, it's only just come out. I'm, I haven't started it yet. I will watch it, but I've been catching up with Rebels because I know so many of the characters in that are involved in this. Mm. Like, I don't want to go into Ahsoka and be like, what's this? Who's happening? Who's that? Why is this? Did you know the actress who plays, is it Hera, the Twi'lek? She's Ewan Ma- McGregor's. She's married to Oberon Kenobi. Yeah. Yeah, no, I knew that. Um, I think his daughter's been in, in it as well. Oh. She was like a... Um, like side character or something or very she had a brief like cameo I think Princess Le- um, Princess Leia Carrie Fisher's daughter or niece or somebody yeah she's she was in uh, the films you don't talk about yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah Ahsoka I want to watch that I think uh, trailer for the second season of Wheel of Time came out recently I haven't got past episode you, one you, you didn't get <laughs> Actually, yeah, you didn't finish the first season of that. Um, I'll probably keep watching that. I didn't... I don't think it was the best show ever. I enjoyed it enough to want to watch season two. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. What, what happened? There's not really been much out, has there? Yes, there has. Have you watched the latest season of The Witcher? I've seen... Half of the first episode. No! I'm really... I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm really far behind. I think... It's because I know it's the last season with Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill. It's really good. That's it, the thing. Other pe- Everyone else I've spoken to hasn't enjoyed it. Oh, really? Like, I enjoyed it. Yeah. One of my other friends who watched it said it was a bit shit, in his opinion. That's disappointing. Um... So, um, this season follows on the... Uh, Although, talking of The Witcher, I'm listening to Blood of Elves on audiobook at the moment. Okay. Really enjoying it. Um, this book... Sorry, this series follows the storyline of... I think it has some of Blood of Elves in it. I realise... I know some of... The, well, oh, no, no. So, it's based on Time of Contempt. Okay. Uh, the book, which I preferred out of all The Witcher books. Mm-hmm. And um, although they do change quite a lot, yeah, it mostly kept to the plot of the book, which well, I really liked. Compared to season two, which had quite a lot of deviation, it did have quite a lot of deviations. Yeah, although to be fair, I didn't think the Witcher books were that good. I quite enjoy them. Uh, they are great, and they're very well, well written. You know, uh, what I've been really enjoying in. Blood of Elves is some of the descriptions of the fight scenes. Again, that mm. some of that that's been some of that's been really good. Got to the bit where the um, assassins have just tried to ambush Geralt, and that didn't didn't work <laughs> didn't out go enough. very well. No, but, no, okay. I, I should I, I I had that's the thing. It's kind of, I haven't finished which is season three because it just keeps slipping my mind. 
I think because I heard it hadn't I reckon good. you should wait until you finish Time of Contempt and then watch season three otherwise you're going to get spoilers okay alright I actually think the season three improved on the storyline of Time of Contempt so I think it's better to watch it afterwards okay so so you're telling me mm. read the book first then watch the show but wear it with um, Shadow and Bone watch the show then <laughs> read the books because the show is worse than the book for Shadow and Bone but I actually think I kind of prefer the show of the Witches to the book fair enough although I can't remember very well it's been many years since I read it yeah oh need to finish Blood of Elves first I might have preferred the book. Actually, no, I think I did prefer the book to the show. Because an important plot line that they do a lot better in the book that they kind of left out of the show. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So for some reason... So the fight scenes, I think, were better in the show. But the actual storyline was better in the book. That's what we're going with. Make a note. Okay, so by next episode, I might finish Witcher Season 3... Um, might. By the next episode, you've got to. I might have watched Shadow and Bone, who knows? <laughs> uh, we might have finished the Red Rising trilogy, and we might have finished the Poppy War trilogy. Indeed. Got a lot to get through. Yep. We've got to choose one of those two books yeah. to read by the end of the next. I think it should be the Poppy War one, because I feel like. Yeah, yeah we've, we've read Golden Sun 2 recently. Yeah. Still going still to finish it. It's such good, it's such good. Maybe we could end the year on that one. Maybe. But that would be that. Or maybe before, because final episode is always when we do our wrap-up, isn't it? Well, no, we do that but We do that. We do in January. Yeah. Oh, we've got plenty of time. Yeah. We'll be fine. But, uh... So what did you think of the highballs and the um, Australian whiskey? I thought the highballs a bit too um, bland. But it might be because I've had a lot of cider lately. And so when I taste fizzy drinks, I'm like, where's where's the sweetness? Where's the apples? Where are the apples? Yeah, I think for a fizzy drink, I'm like, oh, I'm used to it being more sweet. So it might just be a palate thing. But it was still very nice. Um, and the Starwood? Well, it was very good, actually. Definitely more a summertime dram, I think. Mm. I think for winter, I'd want something either a bit more like deeply sherried or a bit smoky. Yeah, no, I get that. This definitely comes across as more like a spring, summery vibe for me. But I have tried some of their other stuff. They've done stuff in like port casks, and they did a really interesting one, which is um, I was speaking to one of their brand reps. Um, they do what's called a ginger beer cask one. Oh, where I know we've had a teeling ginger beer. Yeah, um, but it's kind of a similar concept where they make their own ginger. But these guys make they make their own ginger beer, age it in the casks then empty it out and then put the whiskey in it. Um, annoyingly, they're only like 50 CL bottles, so they're smaller and they're... When, when you say they empty out the ginger beer, you mean they just pour it away or do they sell that as well? No, I think they, they um, do sell it, but I don't think it's available in the UK, oh. which is a shame because apparently it's delicious and I was like, it sounds delicious. <laughs> um, You're a big ginger beer fan. Yeah, I do enjoy. I'm a big beer fan. In general. <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, no, the ginger beer one whiskey is interesting, but it's quite expensive for a smaller bottle as well, which is a shame. It's been no. too much for me to want to. I've tried it, and I was like, this is nice. And then I was like, looking at the size of the bottle, and I was looking at the price, and I'm like, I like it, but not that much. Not that much. Yeah. 
So before we go, Henry, I mean, into, I, I thought of a question to ask you mm-hmm. to end on. What books are you looking forward to uh, coming up? Either new releases or books on yourself or books you're going to buy. Are there any books you're looking forward to? Uh, what's on my shelf at the moment? There's a sci-fi book. Um, Called? Damn it. I can picture the cover. I can't remember the author's name. What about the name of the book? No, there's the thing. I, can, I can't. What's it about? It's like a, a sci-fi book where humans have had to leave Earth and they're searching for a new planet to colonise. They basically find a planet that is perfect for them. They're like, it's as if it had been designed for them. And then I think they arrive, they think it's great, and then stuff starts to go wrong. Oh. Um, I feel like it's called... There's a lot of sci-fi books based around that premise. I I was hoping I could recognise what the sci-fi book was, but that was too vague a description. Children of Time. I I was going to... Agent Agent Tchaikovsky. Um, Yes. That's what I was going to guess. If you gave me more time, I was genuinely going to guess that. I hope you like Spiders. So have you read it? No, but I understand. I know what the premise is. Okay, cool. I've, I've read the first chapter, actually. Cool. But, I actually really like Adrian Trakowski. I read a book by him earlier this year, which I will show you because I love the cover. Well, I don't think you did. No, you showed me this to, be, to me before and I said that looks cool. It does look cool. Um, and in this book, he actually... He does a bit of a Jeroba Crombie. So this story is about the civil unrest in this magical city. And um, at certain key points throughout the book, he kind of flips between different characters who are involved in major events, like a riot or whatever. Yeah. It's a very Joe Crombie. Which, which we was, both love. Which we both love. Which I think was done really well. He's also written lots of really interesting, and in some cases quite funny, um, sort stories. So I've read a novella by him called Elder Race, which is about a, uh, a planet. So it's far in the future, and there's a... Um, Highly, humanity is highly advanced and there's a human in a geological station observing the native inhabitants of a planet who are in a, like a who he calls primitive they're like a feudal medieval level standard society mm. and um, obviously they view him as a wizard <laughs> and so it alternates between the narrative of the princess of the kingdom who needs his help to fight a, 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 an enemy and his chapter where he's like they think I'm a fucking wizard <laughs> huzzah and he is depressed because of this. Because he's got a degree, he's got, I don't know, maybe family back home. And he's like, this is the sum of my life. I'm walking through the woods with a bunch of uneducated savages who think I'm a fucking wizard. Um, so yeah, that, um, funnily enough, like the Pierce Brown books, it was one that I'd heard, I had recommended on a podcast. And I think mm. I read about it in a book as well. It's meant to be very good. So yeah, I think I got it given it for Christmas or my birthday I can't remember but that's on my shelf and I want to read that at some point of course the next Pierce Brown book mm. um, next Poppy War book next Poppy War book and after we've done that um, Rebecca Kwan the writer and I've said your name wrong I'm really sorry um, she's written a book called Babel I'll show you that also has a <laughs> Um, I will not show you because there's stuff in the way and I can't be able to move them okay. but um, I forget what it's about but it's meant to be really good as well let me see give that a try um, of course, uh, the final book of the Ketty J series, Ace of Ace of Skulls. You've lent me to that. It's still sitting on my shelf. I do need to read that. What else? Uh, tons of non-fiction. 
got a couple of Ryan Holiday books that have been sat on my shelf for a while I want to read um, no rush uh, there's one of the SAS guys from the SAS show I really enjoyed Who Dares Wins He's his book's coming out later this year Anthony Stazica looking forward to that no Cause rush because I think um, I want to get the audio book version of that because um, I think it's got like some extra content in it which could be fun I think he's like chatting to people he worked with or friends of his um, so there'll be like extra content in that which is cool which is like um, on audiobook I listened to David Goggins's, who's like an ex-Navy SEAL I highly recommend getting the audiobook over the possibly over the physical book although I've got the audiobook I'm going to get the physical book as well but in the audiobook it has like seven hours of extra bonus content seven hours where he's doing like a basically like a mini podcast with the guy with the guy who's reading the book Um, and it brings up a lot of like extra information which is really good Um, so I finished that recently that was excellent what are you looking forward to? I think I don't there's a book that I've informed you is coming out but you've clearly forgotten Oh, is it the um, next um, Jim Butcher? It's the next Jim Butcher book in the, the Cinder Spire series, which is probably Has it not actually to... got a release date. Yeah. Has it? Yeah. You can pre-order it. You've been able to pre-order it for months now. What? I, sent, I sent you a link. That's what I mean. You've forgotten. You told me about it, but you, I don't remember you sending me the link. Okay, maybe I didn't, but I definitely told yeah, you I've pre-ordered it. I don't remember you saying that. I remember you saying it's coming out, but... 7th of November. Do you want me to send you a link? I've got it here. Yes, please. Yes, cool. please. All right. I'm looking forward to that as well. <laughs> that's right. That, that that sums up what I've got on my shelf and what I'm looking forward to reading. Oh. What about you? Any other? That's not good, Henry. Oh, what? Oh, no. You're fine. Has it been delayed? At, no, I was looking at a weird edition for some reason. It's no longer available, understandably. What about you? What am I looking forward to? Hold on. Let me send you this link because I can't multitask. Okay, I so might need to reread the previous one. <laughs> you might need to. I've got the copy over there somewhere. Oh, I've, it's got a, a it's a, I've got a copy. You've got a copy. Um, it's a big book. Um, so I'm looking forward to that book because I love Jim Butcher, one of my favourite authors. I've, oh, got, I've got Brandon Sanderson book at home, which I probably should read. Is that The Way of Kings? Yeah. Is that part one or part two? Part one. I recommend getting part two and reading them back to back. Because he wrote the, wrote the Way of Kings as one book, mm-hmm. and the publishers, I believe, have split it into two to make it easier to sell. Right. This means that part one is basically a 400-page novel on its own, but not written in the style of a 400-page novel, where you have like, the beginning, middle, and ends. It's just the beginning of a different book and part of the middle of, the different, of a different book. And because of that, you're going to get to the end and be like, well... Where's the rest? So I need, I, I need to read that so I can actually say I've read a <laughs> I would recommend starting with Mistborn. It's a really good series. And um, so Way of Kings is in the Stormlight Archive series. And when Brandon Sanderson wrote the Stormlight Archive, one reviewer compared it to... Have you seen The Princess Bride? Yeah. You know the bit where the man in black, he's fighting really well with his sword, and then he switches to his other hand and he's fighting even better. Yeah. It's a bit like that. So Brandon Sanderson's an amazing writer, and now and with the Way of Kings, he actually does something different, mm. almost as good if not better. Fair enough. So um, start with Mistborn. Yourself. I would start with Mistborn because Mistborn is more like most of the stuff he's written Fair enough. in terms of style, whereas Way of Kings is different. So Way of Kings is more like 
don't want to say it's like Game of Thrones, but in terms of epic scope and head hopping between different characters and depth of lore and world building, it's closer to Game of Thrones than other stuff Banner Sands has written. Or, or Wheel of Time than other stuff Banner Sands has written. Um, so I, yeah, read the Mistborn trilogy first because you're going to fucking love it. I can't end you the first book because I don't have a physical copy. But I would recommend... the start, so start, yeah. Mistborn or The Final Empire... I think it's the first first book called The Final Empire. Basically, imagine what the world of Middle Earth would be like if Sauron won. Yeah, we've discussed this before. Yeah, and combine that with this mysterious mist and the magic that uh, is based around metal. It'd be good to go. Cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. And I'm looking forward to starting the sequel trilogy to the Mistborn trilogy with the Alloy of Law. And I want to finish the Stormlight Archive, which has got several 1,200 page books. So that's going to take me most of the rest of the year. And starting next year, I'm looking forward to finishing um, the Malazan Book of the Fallen, one of my favourite fantasy series, because it's just so fucking wild and over the top. Anything that's coming out that you're looking forward to? Yes. So last year, I read a book called Legends and Lattes by Travis Baldry, I believe, um, which is about an orc barbarian who opens a coffee shop. Oh, yeah, I remember this. <laughs> and it's got, it's got a sequel. It's got a sequel and I've got to read it. Okay. Why, why didn't you like this book? It sounded so weird. It's actually really well, I'm sure it's, I'm, sure, I'm sure it's good. It's nice, but it was just like, it sounded like such a weird premise. It sounded funny, <laughs> but I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's got a sequel coming out I'm looking yeah. forward to. I need to catch up with the um, Harry uh, the Dresden Files as well. You've got loads of Dresden Files to read. Yeah, I might... Um, You've left it too long. You need to read them closer together. There's a really binge-worthy series. Oh, I know, but there's so much else I want to read as well. Um, that's not as, whatever I, this is, I, I, I need to borrow um, Shadow and Bone and um, the next Dresden Files from me. And I'm also looking forward to in February the second book of Empire the Vampire comes out. I swear that came out like over a year ago now. Empire the Vampire. It's been a while since it came out last November, I think. Came out last something year. like that, yeah. It's been a while. So yeah, the second book comes out in February. I need to borrow that as well at some point. <laughs> <laughs> it's too nice to copy, copy Henry. You'll have to get your own, I'm afraid. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Cool. That was a good, uh, good final question. Right. I think we shall wrap up there. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. That's Thank you, Henry. Been a nice little catch up. Well, I'm trying not leave the next episode so long. Too long, yeah. But uh, of course, we'll have to see how we get on with work. So this will be August's episode. This is September's episode. So we've skipped August. Yeah, we we were both too busy. So unless unless we make this August episode and we do another one in September. We could do one towards the end of September. Yeah, could do. And then one the end of October. Then one on the end of November. And then one... December. Yeah. Which will be hard because work will be busy for both of us. Unless we do one at the start of December and then leave we'll it see. until January. Well, we or we'll do one at the start of January. One at, the end. at the moment, we'll make no promises because it's been a while coming to get this episode done. And uh, by the time I've edited this, it'll be about another week. So yeah, <laughs> we'll just we'll just get the next episode out when we can. Try and not leave it too long. But yeah, in the meantime, thank you for joining us. Been good fun. Nice to see you, Tom. Nice to catch up. Nice to you see up. you, Henry. Thank you for the whiskey. And we will... Uh, Yeah, see you guys next time.